It is December 20, 2022, and here we are with the Munitions Podcast. Steve Palmer here with Derek DeBras coming at you with another uh, riveting episode of the Munitions Podcast. And, you know, by the way, it is December 20. That means Christmas is right around the corner. What better gift to give yourself than another firearm? That's right. Steve, I actually bought myself a gun recently. I got a PS90. You ever heard of that gun? I have not heard of a PS90. Yeah, it's like a space gun. I saw how it best define this thing. It's a bullpup. It takes 5.7 by 28. Secret Service, I believe, carries that round in their pistol uh, version. I have that as well. It's a great, great gun. It's armor-piercing round. Uh, it's a smaller, like, 5.56, kind of a mini 5.56. And uh, I got that gun because my wife watches this show, Sister Wives, and the uh, star of that show, Cody, uh, he's a polygamist, what the show's about, and that's neither here nor there, but he, he's a gun guy. And and for Christmas, his wives, I should say wives, there's four of them, bought him this gun. And I'm like, I need that gun. So I went out the next day and, and sold some guns to get this gun, so pick it up this week. Yeah, so, you know, if you, any last-minute uh, uh, gift buying, why not just go buy yourself a gun or buy your loved one a gun? And, you know, it, it's probably worthy of a discussion as to how you might actually do that. I mean, can I just go buy a gun and give it to somebody? Yeah, I mean, it's a really good question, actually. Um, gifting is actually a big area of what I do in my practice with uh, gun owners. And there's something called a straw purchase is where, where you purchase a gun for somebody else, complete the background check paperwork. It's a, it's a very serious crime. It's a felony, and people are prosecuted. There was a guy who went out to the Supreme Court about four or five years ago. It was a cop, and his father wanted his son's discount. So what his son did is... Uh, he took money from his father and went out and purchased this gun. And I don't know how the ATF found out. I can't remember, but they found out. And they uh, charged the guy with both of them, I think, with straw purchases. Went out to the Supreme Court and they said, yep, straw purchase, convicted. Um, so at the end of the day, you can gift a gun. It's got to be a bona fide gift, which means I can go in with my own money, buy this thing, and give it to you, Steve, for Christmas. Yes. Completely legitimate because I'm the actual purchaser and I'm giving it to you. But if you give me money and going to get the gun, that's a problem. And if you look at some of these gun stores, like there's one in town, I won't name names, but in a less than reputable area of, of town, right? Yep. If you stay there long enough, you'll see some people come in, usually younger people, and they'll be up the counter looking, and the girlfriend will be next to the boyfriend, they'll point at guns, and they'll go back in the corner, and you'll see him give her a wad of cash, and she'll go up and want, I want that gun. And if the dealer notices it, they should ask questions, right? Why do you want that gun? What caliber is it? You know. Yeah, like, like what, what about this <laughs> right. gun are you so interested right. in? Right, but that's a straw purchase. So, yes, you can gift guns. It is absolutely possible. Here's what I generally tell my clients is just give them a damn gift card. Get yeah, them a damn gift it's card. It's probably easier. I've done yeah. it. I've given my wife a gun for sure. as, a, as, a, as a gift. And so have I. It feels a little bit odd, and uh, just because you're filling out all this paperwork, knowing you're going to give it as a gift. Uh, but I, I've always taken the position that, all right, I'm allowed to buy this thing. My wife is allowed to own this thing and she could go buy it herself if she wanted to. Yeah. And I'm, no, I'm not trying to accomplish anything unlawful. Uh, so I, and as long as I'm honest about that, I've always felt I'd be well, okay. And when you're married, I think, it, I, I don't know of any, I could be wrong on this, but I don't know of any cases where a husband and wife have been prosecuted for straw purchasing. I think it'd be very difficult to prove yep. when you're commingling so much of your income. You know, uh, usually what they'll say is, well, you gave, this is not your money. This is someone else's money. You bought it for them or something like that. But yeah. it can be done. You can gift guns. I just think it's a lot safer just to buy a gift card. Just to go buy the gift card. Yeah, that makes the most sense, I think. So anyway, so tis the season. If you're going to go buy a gun as a gift, maybe get the gift card. And, and here's the other thing about that. I Somebody has purchased a gift, a gun, or tried to purchase a gun for me before as a gift. And really, it's sort of like uh, buying, I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm trying to think of a good analogy because I'd rather go pick out the gun that I want than have you pick out a gun that you think I want because yeah. uh, mine are mostly hunting guns and uh, truthfully I have plenty 
and uh, there's a few uh, a few little gaps in my collection, but uh, it's pro- I'm probably the best person to pick them out. You know, I, I think uh, it'd be a good law review article or maybe just a blog article, you know, is, is uh, Santa Claus violating the Gun Control Act of 1968? Yeah, he probably <laughs> is. He probably is. Now, here's what here's another thing that's interesting, and I think we may have talked about this before, but it's worthy of discussion. If I just give you a gun and say, say you and I are on a trip, I was on a hunting trip once in, in Iowa, and I almost did this unwittingly without knowing that there was a law against it. I was going to give my buddy a shotgun, say, here you go, and he lived in a different state. And he was just going to take it and uh, and take it home as if it were his. Or uh, and and I found out. I think I did some reading on it, and I couldn't do it. It required an FFA to do that. Were you actually transferring the gun, or you just letting him borrow it? No, I was going to give it to him. Okay, yeah, that that because he's out of state. That that he lived in a, a different problem. state. Yeah, it has to go through an FFL. Generally speaking, if it's another state, um, unless it's an inheritance, there's an exception. If you're inheriting a gun, the executor can. I always recommend the executor just do it through an FFL. Just to get the background check done. Yep. So if you think that you can just gift a gun to somebody who lives in a different state, not so fast. Yeah, you need to, you need to take a step back. And I just researched that actually recently, and I did a guy had done it in 2010 or something. Uh, here's the kicker for him though: statute of limitations. For those of you that don't know what that is, it's it's SOL. So it basically means the government shit out of luck if you meet yep. that statute of limitations. They can't prosecute you. It's five years. Yeah, so, but it's from discovery though, so it gets a little sort of dicey on when you start the clock. Well, maybe I'd have to look at that federal regulate uh, that law again. I, I thought it was from the occurrence of the event, not from discovery of the government. If you, uh, I guess it, it, it in you my, would know better than I would in the criminal line of work. It's like you can't just claim statute of limitations if you have taken uh, just because the, the crime hasn't been discovered. Particularly if if the criminal has taken steps to cover up his tracks. So. Uh, you you don't get it both ways. In other words, I can't yeah. uh, claim statute of limitations if I've tried to hide what I've done. Now, to some extent, um, if you haven't hidden what you've done, you've just done it and it's undiscovered. Uh, you know, there's there's different issues on when the statute starts to toll or starts to uh, tick. But uh, either way, anytime you're doing it, here's the takeaway. Anytime you're doing something with guns, look up what you're allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do, because it's not necessarily intuitive. Right, right. And that's a good point. You know, I I'm, I'm appreciate you bringing that up. I have to have a call with this client soon. And I, uh, you know, he didn't do anything to hide it. He just did it. You know? He just did and, it, right. Yeah. And it was like a, f- a military buddy of his or something and just transferred the gun out of state. The guy was out of state. He was in one state, he was in another. And this 2010 or something. So, yep. Uh, and a lot of these clients get really worried about it. And rightfully so. ETF's very, very scary, of course. But the end of the day, you know, something that old, I can't imagine the government actually doing anything about it. Now, in my experience, look, I've done criminal defense now for 27 years. Uh, there's one exception and it involves guns. Uh, most of the time, unless the government has another interest in going after you for something, they're not going to go after this regulatory ticky tack stuff. Now the exception is guns. And sometimes the, the political winds are blowing in a certain direction and the government wants to look like they're taking strong action against firearms and, and, uh, therefore, uh, allegedly, or, at least as a stated purpose, trying to solve mass shootings or solve crimes. And uh, therefore, they're going to take some administrative or some or rather regulatory type action just to look good. And this is the kind of virtue signaling criminal enforcement that gets really scary and really dangerous. And that probably brings us to the yeah. topic for today. The city of Columbus right here in Ohio. I know, you know, our, our listeners span the globe, but right here in the city of Columbus, we have something very interesting going on where the city is trying to take action against firearms and regulate firearms. And, you know, the question, there's there's lots of questions in this. One, the the action they're trying to take is sort of suspect on its face. But then there's issues going on about um, 
the constitutionality of it, not as a gun law, but rather as compared to what the state is doing. So you've got local city action that might conflict or actually does conflict with uh, the state law and uh, the question who reigns supreme in that situation, irrespective of what the feds are doing. I tried, Steve, to hold my emotion back. Those of you who know me personally know that the redhead comes out. And uh, redhead wanted to come out when I saw this. This is absolutely 100% 100 bar none politics. There's no no way to slice this. You can't tell me it's about public safety. And if you tell me that, I'm going to tell you're a bold-faced liar. It's absolutely what this is. This is bullshit. It's bullshit. We continue to have mass shootings. Therefore, we're going to pass this law that does nothing to prevent mass shootings. I'm looking at the law right now, and and let me just go ahead and read you. Tell us us what the law is. So this is the city of Columbus. The Columbus City Council passed a local law, so a city-level law in the Columbus City Code. And I think we should – let's back up. Let's lay the groundwork for our listeners. So years ago, I think it was in – don't quote me on this, everybody, 2010-ish, they passed something uh, that's generally referred to as preemption. And that's 9.68 of the Ohio Revised Code. And essentially what it does is that the, the the General Assembly, which is Ohio's Congress, said, hey, we want to provide uniform laws throughout the state so that if you go from Columbus to Cleveland, you're not violating several different laws unknowingly, right? There's a problem with that. I mean, go back to 1986 when we passed the Gun Owners Protection Act uh, at the federal level, and they passed that safe transit law, right? So that you could transport a gun from one state to another without theoretically be violating a state law. Yes. It hasn't really panned out that way, but with this different discussion for another day, we'll maybe do that in another podcast. Maybe do a transportation of guns podcast. It's probably a good one, yes. Yeah. But anyhow, um, so that's preemption. So we've had that in Ohio, and what you need to know about it, it's been litigated. I've litigated this uh, statute many, many times. Uh, we've sued the city of Cleveland, the city of Overland, the city of Clyde, and the Ohio Supreme Court's gotten this case at least twice, I believe, and they've always ruled that it's, it's valid. It's a valid law. So there's a judge in town that um, basically sat on a case for a year or two and finally uh, came out and, and basically gutted, if you will, 9.68 or set it aside. I can't remember so the exact So 9.68 is the number designation for the state Citation, law. yeah. The state law that that seeks, or at least ostensibly on its face, preempts the field. So the state writes a law that says, we're the ones, we're the state. The state of Ohio has the sole and exclusive authority to pass regulations in this area, and it's called preempting the field. So basically what that means is, like Derek said, we're not going to have a bunch of uh, inconsistent local and and city-level uh, laws. So if I like, if I'm driving, like you said, if I'm driving through the city of Columbus, I'm following Cincinnati's law. But then when I get through some little township, I've got a different law. And then if right. I get to the city of Columbus, right. then I've got this absurd law. I mean, this next law that we're talking about. Right. And then I've got uh, I go up to Cleveland. They got their own law. So Colum- the city, the state of Ohio, through nine six eight has preempted the field. They said we're the only ones that can write law on this. So all you local boys, just stand down. We got it. In a very crude way, yes, that's accurate. That's one yes. for our listeners. That's what they need to understand. That's what they need to understand. I mean, when we sued Cleveland, I remember they had a. You know what was interesting? I, I disagreed with this decision, but it was upheld. They passed identical laws, and we said it's preempted. You can't do it. You can't do it, right? But, but we lost that argument. Which, whatever, it's fine because it, you, you were arguing sort of on the narrow constitutional or the broader constitutional issue. Right. But they were saying, yeah, it's no harm, no foul because it's the same. Essentially, law. yeah. But they had like a. Uh, you can't let gun. You kids can't have access to guns and all this other garbage. And I, I remember we sent a letter to the city of Bexley. They had a license if you wanted to purchase a gun in their city. You had to pay a fifty dollars fee. All these weird laws from these cities. Back in the two thousands, we would send out letters as our, our firm would for our clients that were organizational clients that were gun pro gun organizations. 
and we would threaten lawsuits and they would either change the laws or they would get sued and they would have to pay our legal fees. And that's what 9.68 says. They have to pay legal fees. So anyhow, that's what 9.68, that's the starting point. So Columbus files, there's some sort of action in Columbus and this judge basically said, City Columbus, you know, wins. We'll set this aside. It's unconstitutional. I can't remember the verbiage So there was a local judge that declared parts of 9.68 unconstitutional. So the law that would have preempted the field and given the state exclusive jurisdiction over this, some local judge says, nah. Either set it aside or deemed it unconstitutional. I can't remember which. State yeah. execution of it. State yeah. it, something like that. But nevertheless, he gutted it. So then the city of Columbus was like, all right, green light. Let's go, boys. Let's right go ahead and roll. draft some nonsense. Let's get our political cronies involved. Let's get our, our votes up because we need more of that because the city's doing so well right now, by the way, politically. Yeah, if we had some more regulation and, and <laughs> we make need it more harder. of that, you know, because yeah. the economy's doing well, the crime rates are going down, you know, tongue in cheek, obviously, um, sarcasm there. Yep. But nevertheless, this is what they passed. I'm going to read you just, just really two main components that I think is really problematic. And one deals with what they call large capacity magazines. I don't know why they arbitrarily get to decide 30 rounds is, is large, but that's what they get to decide. I would call it standard capacity. Yeah. Um, but nevertheless, um, basically what it does is it defines large capacity magazines as 30 rounds or more. But what's interesting about the law, let me read it to you. Let me find it here. Forgive me. I just had it. My finger moved it on my phone, but this is what it says. No person shall knowingly possess, purchase, keep for sale, offer, or expose for sale, transfer, distribute, or import a large capacity magazine. Clear violation of 9.68 when you read 9.68. Only the state can govern uh, the uh, procurement, the storage, uh, the uh, 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 transfer. It uses all these different adjectives, these uh, operative words in 9.68 of what the uh, local officials can't do. I don't believe it actually, dis- I don't think it preempts the use of guns. I think you can have zoning ordinances and, and like noises and stuff like that, but nevertheless. So that's what it says. And then it actually has exceptions to this law. And this is what Steve and I were talking about before we got on the podcast. Um, this is this shows how I love it when anti-gun people write gun laws. Because they, they, they don't even the most, know the basics. It's the most fascinating thing. There's a great little clip of Tucker Carlson years ago interviewing a Democratic uh, congresswoman and he asked her what a barrel shroud was. And she's like, it's a thing that goes over the shoulder. And we're like, what? He's like, no, no, it's not. No, they don't even know. But then there's like, it doesn't matter. We hate all guns. Yeah, right. So this is this is the exceptions to this law. This is great. All right. So this section does not apply to either following. It talks about officers of the government. It talks about people employed by the state. And then it says, this section does not apply. Now, follow me here, listeners. does not apply to a large capacity magazine, which belongs to a firearm or... That's a word of disjunction. I'll come back to that. Or, or which is possessed by the owner of a firearm, which is registered with federal authorities under the National Firearms Act. So what the National Firearms Act is, is the oldest gun law in the entire country. It's the first gun control act. 1934, it was passed and it regulates exotic guns or what I would call exotic guns, fully automatic machine guns, short bow rifles, short bow shotguns, suppressors. So let's 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 break this down, Steve. The first part of this section, this exception, says this is not applied to a large capacity magazine which belongs to a firearm. Let's stop there. So if I have a 50-round magazine and it goes to my PS90 that I've SBR, meaning I've cut the barrel down and I put it on the NFA registry, I can own that magazine. Let's continue. Then it goes on after the or. Or which is possessed by an owner of a firearm, which is registered with the federal authorities in the National Firearms Act. So the way I read this, I just have to own an NFA item, and thereby I have a license to own these magazines. So if I own a suppressor, I can have a 50-round magazine, whether or not it goes to the suppressor. Obviously, it doesn't because the suppressor doesn't take a magazine. 
But again, the way it reads, I'll read it one more time. Or, which is possessed by the owner of a firearm, so I possess a 15-round magazine, of a firearm which is registered with the federal authorities. I have a firearm registered with the federal authorities under the NFA, meaning I'm falling under that exception. I guess you could interpret it to mean possessed by the owner of a firearm which is registered. I guess which word does the word which apply to the firearm yes it exempting the person or the who magazine. happens to have any gun right. registered under the national firearms act or the gun in question you know you but you, 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 you can't register a magazine under the nfa it's not possible so it has to mean it has to mean the firearm so if i have a suppressor and i own a 50 round magazine i'm good you're good even if it doesn't fit that gun in theory and i'm sure that's not what they meant no it's just poorly written because they don't understand gun law at all and it's uh <laughs> and the other part of that is it, well, keep going. I mean, there, okay, there's, so, there's more to this that's absurd. Right, so that, that's the absurd. That's one absurd exception. And I've never seen the next thing ever. In my career, almost 15 years of practice, I've never seen an alternative statute. You heard that right. An alternative. This is what the title of this section says. Alternate, alternate, sorry, alternate large capacity magazine provision if the ORC section 9.68 is reinstated. So they basically say, hey, if the courts rule against us, we're going to redefine large capacity magazine to mean 100 rounds. It's still a damn violation. It's still a violation. It? Yeah. They, so they're trying to like have their eat their cake and have it too, and it just doesn't work. I mean, it's just it, it it's just so infuriating that they're wasting my taxpaying dollars on this nonsense that doesn't do anything. It is virtue signaling nonsense because they know they know that they can't do it, and they're doing it anyway to look good, and and they're doing it with these sort of broad brushed uh, statements like. Whereas there are ongoing mass shootings, we're going to pass this oh, stupid just, law. It, you know, I, I've litigated against the Brady camp, and they do that crap too. They'll put in this complaint, all this nonsense, feel-good garbage. It has nothing to do with the law. Right. There, it is not linked up. It is not connected at all. So, you know, assuming this, uh, let's just take it in, in their little uh, perfect world that this law uh, stays in effect, remains in effect, and, and is valid. Like, y- y- they've criminalized... And and by the way, we're not talking, I think one more, but I'll back up a little bit. We're not talking on NFA guns. We're not talking about the AR-15 you bought it at a local gun shop. You're talking about a very specific gun. So if you have a 30-round magazine and an AR-15, yeah. you violate this law if you're in the city of Columbus. Yeah, if you, as a listener, are asking, I wonder if I have an NFA gun, you don't have one. You don't have you one. You know right. you have one because it yeah. takes a year to get the permission from the ATF. Yeah. It's not the same as signing the paperwork when you buy a gun in a yeah. gun shop. No, you have to go through a year-long paperwork process. You have to pay a tax. You get what's called a tax stamp. If you don't know what that is, you don't have an NFA gun. Yeah. And if you do, then it's probably not registered and it's a felony. Yeah, so you don't. You, you, this doesn't apply to you, in other words. Right. The exemptions do not apply to you. So this means that if I go into uh, Cabela's or I go into Dick's where you can just, in any normal day, you go in and there's a whole rack full of different 30-round magazines that fit AR-15s as a standard. uh, Well, not at Dick's anymore. They want want the road of wokeism. Yeah, they they, they quote woke up. Uh, and and fell down. But anyway, so at, at, at Cabela's you could, or Advances you could, or any yeah, number right, of gun shops, right. you could go and say, oh, I'm going to get these uh, Magpul or whatever the brand is, 30-round uh, clips yeah. or magazines. They're saying now that's against the law in the city of Columbus. That's right. So and it's punchable 180 days in jail. So go to jail for having those. So if you if you uh, took the time to have a bunch of magazines that you fill up and keep loaded, so when you go to the range, all you got to do is just pop them in, yeah. it's a crime. And if you think you're going to get sympathy from the from the the 
the bench in, in city of Columbus. Uh-uh. Good luck. Good luck on that one. The city's and, changed dramatically in the last 10 years. And it doesn't, I didn't hear any language about uh, retroactivity. So I, I, I don't know if it applies to somebody who, or, or whether there's a grandfather anything. clause about those who already own them. So right now it's a, there's open questions about if this law takes effect, how many people become overnight criminals? And, uh, you know, that's, that's the danger of this nonsense. The other parts of the law that bug me, frankly, and this is more of my broader problem with, with criminal laws, is that they, they've outlawed, uh, they had a bunch of stupid language in there about if you leave a gun around and it become, it's accessible to, to uh, kids and it's used for this or that. Yeah, there's some language in so there. So they're making, they're, they're redefining what is already a crime and making it a crime again. So it already is a crime. If you leave your gun around and somebody and a kid picks it up and you should reasonably foresee that and uses it uh, and causes uh, – uh, and shoot somebody or does something with it, guess what? You're already uh, subject to prosecution. We don't need laws to tell us right. that uh, that that's against the I've law. I've defended that case, that very fact pattern. I defended it was, uh, what they charged him with, it was some sort of negligence. Negligent child, homicide. Child endangerment. Child endangerment. Child I endangerment. see it. Negligent homicide. I see yeah. it. And, you know, I, I don't need the government to tell me not to leave my loaded gun on the coffee table right. so my four-year-old can pick it up and shoot his well, brother. It's just it's just exhausting to have to even think and talk about these nonsensical discussions. But this is what the city wants, so they're going to take your tax dollars. They're going to pay lawyers like me when they lose. And 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 you know they get to virtue signal for a little while though. So they get to have their they little do. day in the sun. They get what they want yeah. because they're selfish. They don't care about the citizens. They really don't. And, and you know you could say, well, what do we care if they just pass more dumb laws? Just add dumb laws to the books. Well, every time you pass a law like this, every time this is sort of pseudo regulatory. So it's going to therefore create its own need for a regulatory structure. There'll be people hired uh, to some administrative form agency of government Mm -hmm. to do something to enforce this law. It's just going to cost time. It's going to cost money. It's not necessary at all. Everything they're talking about, at least irrespective of these uh, magazines, which you know, they're not allowed to do this. Um, everything they're talking about is already prohibited. Well, it's your freedom. I mean, you just keep giving them a bite of the cake. They're going to have the whole damn cake. Sooner or later. And yeah. then you have nothing. You have no freedom left. Or if it's uh, in, it's always done in the name of righteousness on this particular thing. So, yes, but this is such a serious problem with guns that we have to do right. it. And, you know, take the other side for a second. And uh, the, it, it caused me equal consternation. When uh, after 9-11, all of a sudden I had to go through the um, functional equivalent of a strip search to get on an airplane. (laughs) And it's all the same virtue signaling. It's like the terrorists are not taking AR-15s through the metal detectors to get on the plane. Yeah. And, you know, so your tube of toothpaste, it's like it's it's like you're not the one that's doing it, but it looks good. Yeah. And it makes people feel good. It's like uh, it's it's a surgical mask for the same kind of thing. Uh, You know, this kind of government mandated nonsense makes everybody think that they're, quote, doing something. And the, the, my next pet peeve, if anybody's listening to anything I've ever said, hears this all the time, quote, well, we have to do something, which is the same as admitting that what you're about to do isn't going to solve any problem whatsoever, but you're going to act like it does because you want to be able to say that you tried to do something. Right. Well, I, I, you know, the good news is this. Let's talk about the good news. Dave Yost, our attorney general. I know yeah. Dave, great guy. Um you know, maybe I'm just saying that because he's like-minded. I don't know. But I do genuinely think he's a, he's a nice he's, guy. He's a conservative and, yeah. uh, you know, he's a constitutional conservative in right. a lot of ways. Yeah. And I know that this was giving him a lot of heartburn. And so they filed uh, off a, a temporary restraining order and they won. They filed it in Fairfield County. The city sits in Fairfield County and they were successful in that. So it's been stayed for the time being. And I, I look, 
I remember when we went after Cleveland for this nonsense, they had that that minor, you know, being near guns law. And I believe we got that ruled unconstitutional. This is part of this is almost identical. Yeah. Like the Supreme Court is I believe it was Supreme Court. Again, I have to go back in my files and look at those cases a long time ago. But these issues have been handled before. And I, I'm confident that uh, the state of Ohio will prevail in this. Well, what about, so there's, as, as I promised, there's there's different levels of interesting analysis to, to the extent this is interesting to anybody but us. Uh, like You have this notion of the state has already acted, therefore the city cannot. And then, you know, the, the other part of this is, well, you've got a court in Fairfield County saying, yeah, you tried, but we are going to issue an injunction for now. We're going to, we're going to say for now, you can't even enforce this law. So it's just held in abeyance. It's not, and nobody can enforce it. So never fear. You can still go buy a 30 round magazine advances or at Cabela's until the trial happens, until the trial happens, which it'll never happen because summary judgment, summary judgment will occur and it's all over. But what about the federal law, Derek? What about uh, the notion that uh, can the city of Columbus just ban a 30 round magazine without running afoul of federal law or really I should say the second amendment? Well, it's a very interesting question. That's a very complicated question, Steve, because of the Bruin decision. You know, I mean, 30-round magazines, let's be honest, didn't exist in you know, the founding of this country. They just weren't around. To my knowledge, they weren't. So I'm not a historian, but I don't believe they were. No, we had muskets. Yeah. And so we had the, one round. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I guess it's a historical analysis, and you'd have to find some analogy historically to make your argument either way, I suppose, whether or not you can regulate this. And I don't think there was any laws regulating the capacity of a firearm back then, to my knowledge. Again, I'm not a historian. So I think that after Bruin that came out in June, that Supreme Court decision that said, look, a law is only constitutional if it passes, I'm going to just paraphrase, historical muster, then that's the analysis. Yeah, they, we have they to look, look at, at that. historical text analysis, a right. historical textual analysis to see, can we find some basis in this law that uh, to go all the way back? And I don't, I don't see how they're going to find it. But, you know, we're going to see a lot of litigation like this with cities around the country sort of passing uh, these these gun restrictions. And it, they're going to they're going to start to yeah. float up to the Supreme Court level. Well, what, what, here's what the listeners need to do. If you're in Columbus, you need to call your city council person, you know, and like I'm just as guilty as everybody else. I never call my city when I lived in the city. I don't live in the city anymore, but I never called my city council person. Or anybody on the council, you should make your voice known. If you're upset about this, you need to let them know that. Yeah, it's uh, and it's sort of the same thing in another context. Uh, the city did something else recently. They banned or outlawed uh, flavored tobacco and vape in the city of Columbus. I didn't know that. And and they did it under this sort of <laughs> this nonsense notion that it has a disparate impact on um, on minorities, as as if somehow if you happen to be a minority, you're not smart enough to know it's whether you should be having. Uh, like you can't make the, you can't make your own decision about whether you yeah. should be ingesting flavored alcohol or menthol cigarettes, which, uh, apparently the black community likes more than the white community or whatever it is. And these people on the city council are saying this crap. They're telling, they're telling uh, the, somebody in the quote community that we know better than you, right? What you should be smoking, what you should be ingesting, how many, how many rounds in the magazine that you are buying should have. And we know better than you. And we're going to tell you because you're not smart enough to make those decisions on your own. Yeah. It's infuriating. It's it's absolutely yeah. maddening. So I agree. Call your city councilman and say, "What the frick are you doing?" Yeah, I don't need your help. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Why don't you pick up the trash on the streets? <laughs> Why don't you make sure well, the trains run on time? I will say this. I, you know, obviously, because we have a national audience, I'm not going to say where I live, but I no longer live in the cesspool of a city of Columbus. Well, in the same in the same city, 
where I had this come up. I own a building here, and I had this come up recently where there was, there was there's, every morning there's trash on my stoop. Every morning there's trash in my apartment. Oh, yeah, homeless people sleeping outside my office. And it just is, uh, it's gotten worse. It's not, it's not always been this way. No. And you would, you would ask, it, it sort of makes us ask, how does this happen? And, you know, it happens because it's tolerated. Right. And as soon as it's tolerated, it will continue. Yep. And uh, you're not going to legislate away uh, human nature by calling it a crime to leave your gun on a coffee table unsafely. The jackass who does that will still do that. What I find interesting, Steve, is that crime is up, right? We have uh, yeah, yeah, more the regulations more, not more working. More and more break-ins. People are getting more and more upset, but we want to restrict your ability to protect yourself. Well, we say, here's what's interesting statistically. Crime is up, and they're writing new criminal laws to prevent people from committing more crimes, which is going to cause the opposite, right? Because statistically, if you put more laws in the books and there are going to be more prosecutions under new laws, it's going to look like there's more crime. It's the same act. So you're really sort of, you're, you're politically shooting yourself. You're shooting yourself in the political foot. But you're right. You're, you're passing laws to prevent us from protecting ourselves against criminals when crime is yeah. up. And do you really think that the criminal who is in possession of a 30-round magazine, who has this plan to go shoot up a school or shoot up the, the city council members or do something, is going to say, oh, you know what? This is against the law in the city of Columbus. We better get rid of our 30-round magazines. <laughs> We're not going to use that to commit yeah. this crime today. Yeah. Or I... the jackass would say, oh, gosh, I didn't know I shouldn't leave my yeah. loaded gun where my toddler is hanging yeah, out. I right. never thought of that. Thank you, city. Yeah. Now I know I won't yeah. do that. I go to I go to rob a bank with a gun. Oh shucks, they got a sign. Better turn around. I they can't. got me good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry. I, let me go back and get a different weapon. I can't use this one to commit this crime. You know, it's it's nonsense. It is absolute absurdity, and it's only done so the city council can say, right? We quote are at least doing something. We got to do yeah. something. Be genuine. Just try to ban guns. At least you can make a colorable argument there that it'll prevent shootings. Right. You can't with this. There's just no colorable argument. No, you can't do it because the guns already exist. The magazines already exist. Calling it a, a like a super crime is not going to change the fact no. that people are going to do it anyway. So, uh, so follow. I mean, it's. A, I think in a lot of ways, as so so goes local politics, so goes the country. I mean, I think you can look at this sort of as a launching pad for the rest of the country. This crap is happening around the country where you have cities virtue signaling, local governments virtue signaling against things like guns because it looks good politically, or maybe yeah. they really believe this nonsense. But uh, eventually this is what gets filtered up to the yeah. U.S. Supreme Court to decide. What's the most maddening, I'll, I'll, I'll leave everybody with this, is that uh, I, I lived here, Steve, the first time I came to Columbus was in 2000, graduated high school, came to Ohio State University, studied, and uh, I liked Columbus, fell in love with Columbus. Got deployed to Iraq, served my country in Iraq, uh, became a combat veteran, came back, went to Virginia Beach, studied law. And I had a choice to live anywhere I wanted to. I'd have, I had owned very little. I wasn't married, no kids, right? I could have went anywhere to practice law. I'm kicking myself in the ass I didn't go to Colorado or some beautiful state, but I came back to Columbus because I loved Columbus. And it was very purple. Like, you still had conservative thinking here, right? Yep. It wasn't predominant. It was like 50-50. It was a nice place to live. It's just completely the opposite today. It is totally flipped. And, you know, I'm not saying that it just because you're one political bent versus the other, it's going to turn the city to crap. I'm just saying the city is turning to crap. And whoever's in charge right now needs to do something to change yeah. it. And if you think if you're going to blame everybody but your own policies, then that yeah. that perhaps 
is where the logic yeah. gets irrational. I think that's a good point. And, you know, I, I just, just the same as uh, I don't like living in Columbus now, I wouldn't want to live in my hometown, which is deep, deep Trump country. Yeah. It just, you get into that bubble where you think one way and you have, it's just not healthy. You know, it's good to have a counterbalance. To An everything. exchange of ideas. Yeah, at and it least. doesn't exist anymore. And and I, I beware of anything the government ever does. I don't care who's in charge. That's a, I say that all the time. So I was in a debate back after the Sandy Hook shooting on campus. It was on like ten TV news, local news, and I remember there was an audience member that there was a proposal that you know there should be a law that allows ATF to have administrative agents come to your house and check your storage of guns. Mm-hmm. And I and they said, well, why don't you agree with that? Because I'm like, when has the government ever done anything efficiently or proper? It just right. doesn't get done. And I get no way, no way. Well, this is, um, it's such an interesting point because whenever I hear people talk about gun control, I often default to that argument. I'm just like, all right. So as soon as you say you can't, or you, you have to have this, or you're not allowed to have this as far as guns go, then there's going to have to be an administrative enforcement body that is created. The brown shirts. This, these are Hitler's brown shirts. These are the people that don't really, you don't elect them. They're appointed. Bureaucrats. They're bureaucrats. And they're going to be given authority to do things like, violate the fourth amendment under the good cause of right. gun control and they're going to knock on your door and they're going to come in your door and people say well i don't have anything to hide i'll let them in yeah but what if they're not being what if they're not honest what if they are corrupt what if they have an agenda that isn't consistent with what you consider to be a fair enforcement of the regulations now you've got a problem you've let buford pusser in the door and it's corrupt yeah. and the the problem with this is all government becomes corrupt. It has to. And you could say, well, why have any government? Because you need it. So you have these two competing interests. Yeah. You, have a, you have all government becomes corrupt and you need government. So these geniuses a couple hundred years ago figured out a way to deal with this. You have checks and balances within the government right. to prevent that from happening. Or if it does become corrupt, there's a way to deal with it. And the more power, the more administrative power you give our government the less ability you have naturally to, to ferret out the corruptness. So don't think that your people that you that are that support you right now are all good. And even if they are, don't think that the people that they appoint to follow them or to enforce their regulations are all going to be good because they're yeah. not. They're going to be human and they have the same original flaws that we all have. Yeah. And you're going to see a lot a big you already seen a big migration of, uh, you know, uh, wealthy, educated people that value their freedom. I mean, they're leave. I left the city. You know, I'm part of that. I mean, you don't live in the city either. It, it's what happens. People leave the city. So think about that. They're going to start putting the yoke of regulation on businesses, on uh, on things like buying guns. And so you could say, well, who's going to care? Who's going to really leave because they can't buy a 30 round magazine in the city of Columbus? Well, what if one business is gone? So one gun shop leaves. And that one gun shop then paid rent at a storefront, yeah. um, paid, employees. Em, had employees who, Families paid, who paid employment that, taxes. Yeah, yeah. You have sales taxes. You have um, a presence in the community where you could go and interact with people. So instead it gets driven online where there's far more uh, ability yeah. for corruptness than at your local yeah. gun shop. So it's just, it, there, there's a, there's a, a I guess, a, an aftershock of, of things that can happen that you don't... Uh, well, unintended consequences is what yeah, we're talking about. I mean, you're seeing that with the, the oldest gun companies in the country, in the world, in some instances. I mean, they were all up in the Northeast, New York and Connecticut and moving down to Tennessee. Yeah, they're gone. You yeah, know, they're leaving, you know, because they can't deal with the regulation. And those families up there are leaving, you know, their, their consumer tax dollars are leaving because they're leaving to follow their job, you know. 
Well, all right. Enough of our uh, our rant here. So those who have followed <laughs> us know that we have something. We didn't do it last week because we got tied up, or last time because we got uh, caught up on a different discussion. But, you know, we have this thing called the ammo can, and you would ask, what the hell is the ammo can? Well, it's a place you put your ammo. But for us, it's a place where we store the questions. So people submit us a question. And right now, Derek, there, you get lots of questions still on your YouTube channel. The The website for Munitions Podcast here is, is is close. We're getting it built. It'll be rolled out. But um, we had uh, we're, we're getting the YouTube questions into the ammo can, and we we pull one out and answer it. And since it's Christmas time, um, I, and we've talked about buying the gift of guns for your uh, friends and your family, um, we have a a caller questioner, somebody who wrote in who had a question. I'm not going to use names, but they want to know if they can they can buy a flamethrower. Which you know you sort of laugh like who the hell needs a flamethrower. Hmm. But it's funny because I've actually had this case come up where I, I somebody called me. They, they were uh, their flamethrower got seized by local law enforcement, and it became this thing: were they allowed to have a flamethrower or not? And it wasn't so obvious. All right, so I've researched this extensively. Um, I will say that uh, I can own one. I have a license from a sheriff to own one. <laughs> um, but, but here's the deal: um, what is a flamethrower? So we have to go back to the ORC and look at the, the weapons control so definition. So ORC is the Ohio Revised Code. Yeah, I'm code. sorry. The Ohio Revised Code, Ohio law, defines a term called dangerous ordinance. And in that, let's back, let's say, what, well, okay, why is dangerous ordinance important? Because civilians can't own it in Ohio unless it's registered with the sheriff or the National Firearms Transaction Registry, right? The NFA registry that we were talking about previously. Um, and and if you if you don't know what that is, you're not on it. Right, exactly. Right. So we machine guns, short barrel rifles, all that stuff. So it's either on that register, or you get a license from the sheriff for fifty bucks uh, on a BSSA one form. If anybody's wondering about that form, so can't own dangerous ordinance. Dangerous ordinance includes, and I, you're, I'm paraphrasing this, Steve. So forgive me. I don't have the exact wording in the in the Ohio Revised Code, but it basically says that any um, incendiary device um, that's designed or can be redesigned or something like that to cause damage to people or property, I believe. Um, so if you go to like, uh, you know, I have one of those dragon's breath flamethrowers that attaches to a probocaine to melt ice on my farm and to brush clean and things like that. That's not designed to cause damage to somebody's property or to people. But there's a company, a few companies now that are selling these flamethrowers that are, you know, they say are designed for entertainment purposes, um, but they put a shark face on it or they'll put a skull on it or teeth on it to make it look kind of cool. Good luck selling that to a jury. Because if I try to tell the jury that this thing is not designed to cause damage to people or property, I think it's a harder sell than something that's more milk toast and looks more utilitarian. So it's really a gray issue when you look at it. This this uh, might see my spidey, my criminal defense, my criminal defense spidey sense is is like off the radar right now because when you have a definition like that where it's designed to cause damage to people or property, and I get it, we're paraphrasing, it's not. Uh, I'm going to bring it up. Yeah, we'll, we'll bring it up. But what they're doing is they are attributing criminality to the intent of the designer. Um, and or, or maybe how it is adopted for use by the end user. So, you know, if I happen to have a flamethrower that looks really scary, that has a skull and crossbones on it, that says, uh, uh, kill them all and let God sort them out on yes. the side of it. Uh, what's the language? Uh, it's, uh, so dangerous ordinance includes, includes incendiary device, which means any firebomb and any device designed or specially adapted to cause physical harm to persons or property by means of fire and consisting of an incendiary substance or agency in a means to ignite it. 
Very broad. Right. So it's it's really broad. So when you, what you're talking about a a flamethrower that is used to clear foliage, I mean that's property. So you could that right. theoretically fits within that definition. So this uh, like so many gun issues are, are are fascinating to me because they implicate so many different areas of the law. Like that that definition. Like if you just said to Joe Blow on the street, should you be allowed to have a flamethrower? They would probably think like, no. What the right. hell do you need a flamethrower for? Right. Well, what about Farmer Bob, who has to clean up right. the ravine once a year? Would you rather him using, right. like, um, cancer-causing chemicals? Right. I use it all the time on my farm. All the time. Right. So, and people have controlled yeah. burns, and they do this kind yeah. of stuff. Um, I actually use the one. I actually have one with a shark skull on it. Oh, I, I, actually, right. I actually use it on the farm, believe it or not. So, I could make a legitimate argument, but you're leaving that up to a jury. Or, <laughs> or worse. Or worse, you're leaving it up to the discretion of local law enforcement, who will decide whether right. your uh, your possession of that is uh, violates that right. law. And how will they decide by whether they charge you or not? Right. And, I had a dealer. Um, I went to. A, he's a client of mine, a friend of mine. I went in this years ago when I bought mine. I bought it from him, and uh, I didn't buy it from him until I had a license from the sheriff to get it. But I said, "Hey, uh, I don't think you can have these." He's like, "What do you mean?" I'm like, "Look at the law." It's un-. so we called the company. Like, "Oh, we didn't design it to do that." And I'm like, it doesn't matter what they did, what they say. Right. It's what you can prove. And when you present it so comically with a face painted onto the thing, good luck. Like, what'd you design it for? And you know, if if I'm defending that case, I would call in the owner of the company and say, "All right, so this is to, is this designed in order to kill people?" They'll say no. No. Well, why'd you put a skull and crossbow? Well, to sell it. Right. To whom? Farmers who need to clear foliage, right? It's like it's a, there's a disconnect. Know, it's a it, it it shows you the absurdity of how the law is written because this is like anything else. When when people say, "Well, we got to do something about these guns, about these assault weapons," I always ask people, and I'm just a dummy. I mean, I'm just a guy who likes to ask questions. I'm like, "All right, what's an assault weapon?" Well, you know, and I'm like, "No, no, 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 I don't know. What is it?" Well, it's one of those like you know, like a like um like a, the AR stands for assault rifle. Yeah. You know, the AR, which it doesn't. Right. And that's an assault. I was like, well, what about my, what about my semi-automatic shotgun that holds eight rounds in it that I can just go right. shoot, bang, 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 bang? Is that an assault weapon? Well, it might be. And I'll show it to him. It's like, no, that's not an assault weapon. But then I show him my AR that, or maybe a single shotgun that looks like an AR-15. Is that an assault? Weapon? No, that's not. Or that is. It's nonsense. It, it, it it's like people don't know, and and when when you don't have a common definitional structure. For these kind of terms, it's impossible to write constitutional criminal laws prohibiting them. I will say that um, I wouldn't say the gun community because the gun community, you know, if they're savvy, they don't use the term assault rifle. I don't use it. And but you hear it in conservative circles all the time. I hate it. It's not right. It's not correct. But what's interesting, Steve, I again, back to that time after the Sandy Hook shooting, when I did that, that um, that debate on TV, I had a lot of nice people that were kind of on the fence come up to me afterwards. And I was very engaging with them. And I had an older gentleman. And I explained to him, you take a Ruger 10-22, put it next to an AR, it functions exactly the same. Identical. It's identical. Mm-hmm. And he's like, it's like a light bulb went off. And I'm like, exactly. It's exact same functioning of the gun. The Ruger 10-22 that your great-great-great-grandfather, right. maybe not that many greats, but your great-grandfather would have a, uh, the old 10-22 sitting on the, yeah. uh, by the door. Yeah. The old and it's, gun. The only difference is caliber. I mean, and you, mm-hmm. there's other guns. There's, uh, I can't think of them off the top of my head. There's one made by Ruger, and I can't think of it, but... Uh, uh, I, but there's other guns that don't look like AR-15s that are bigger calibers. Well, sure. 30 cals, you know, things like that. So You can have a um, – Browning has a couple semi-automatic rifles. I know Benelli's making a semi-automatic rifle that looks like a hunting rifle, 
but it'll shoot a high caliber round. It'll shoot a three oh eight, you know, yeah. uh, in in quick order. And it's you know what you would say. What do you need? Oh, that a mini gun thirty, for? a Ruger mini thirty. I oh, got yeah, a mini yeah, yeah. thirty, and you look at that gun. It looks like a like a hunting rifle. But it takes thirty. It takes a thirty caliber, and you can put a thirty round magazine in thing. You know, yeah. no, it's it's and you, it's all it's getting regulated on how they look and how people feel. That is not a permissible way to write criminal law. So back to my area of expertise, if you're going to write a criminal law, it has to be defined in terms that an ordinary reasonable person can understand. Yeah. And it can't fit. It can't apply or outlaw things that are otherwise lawful behavior. So you know you have to you you have to really start taking this stuff apart yeah. whenever you decide quote we need to just do something. So our answer to the ammo can question is maybe maybe like so many other things in law and guns and yeah. criminal defense well, you know I would say definitely if you can get a license from the sheriff. <laughs> well, what's, well, let's give him, let's let's give him the the good advice, which would be if you want to own a flamethrower and if you want to buy it for your loved one at Christmas time, which you know I highly encourage it. Uh, follow the law. You should call Derek DeBras over at Munitions Law go. Group and get yeah. some help. And I mean that because the, it's way too easy to, to step well, into a snake pit. And I know this is usually folks are on guns, but just so we know, we're clear, flamethrowers are generally not regulated by the federal government. They are not firearms. You can have them shipped to your door. Um, but you in Ohio, because it's so gray, I would encourage you to try to get permission from your county sheriff. Unless you're buying the one from Lowe's or something that's more innocuous. It's just so the one that does the same thing but doesn't have the shark skull on it right. to make it look well, really it's, dangerous yeah, it's more scary. like a than a gun because they designed the one with the shark's gun is more of like a gun you know it's got a trigger and yeah, yeah the other one's got more of like a handle you know that sort of thing right so, so you can do the same thing with it right? cause equal, features, equal damage but right the, the scary features on flamethrowers is the new debate now <laughs> right so this is the we're going to regulate really really scary flamethrowers but not the ones you can buy at Lowe's and Home Depot because those are for the farmers I mean I could do a hell of a lot more damage with a flamethrower than a gun probably <laughs> well think about that it's like um, if you're going to ban a 30 round magazine in the city of Columbus but then go to King and buy and permit people to buy essentially a flamethrower. It's like they're going to go into a movie theater with a flamethrower. You light the whole place on fire. Right. You think that's you kill, better? You kill dozens of people. So maybe we need to outlaw arson yeah, by flamethrowers. It's, it's crazy. Except it's already a crime. You see, yeah. you, see, I, you know, personally, I don't know. I don't have, I don't have a, a dog in that fight whether or not flamethrowers should be legal or not. I I mean, I use them for practical purposes. So The only dog I have in that fight is the government lever of power that is yeah, being utilized to regulate it. And that. how does that same lever sure. get applied somewhere else? And that's that's how I always look at it. What's yeah. the power lever and is it constitutional? And am I afraid they're going to use the same power level to do something that we don't like? Question for another day, is a flamethrower protected by the Second Amendment? Is yeah. it an arm? We'll discuss that another We'll time. discuss that another We'll uh, talk about nunchucks and katana blades and all kinds of things. Right, sure. In uh, pocket knives, the laws on that have changed recently, yeah, yeah, too. Yeah, we'll talk so. about that. That's a good one for next time. Uh, so. There's some stuff coming. So anyway, Christmas is right around the corner. Uh, if you didn't, uh, if you don't have all your Christmas shopping done, uh, now you know what you need to do to go buy somebody a gift, a firearm gift, right from the horse's mouth, right from the munitions podcast mouth with Derek DeBross and Steve Palmer. Derek, you got your law firm, Munitions uh, uh, Law Group. How do they get a hold yeah, of you? Yeah, munitionsgroup.com. Just look us up on YouTube, Munitions Group. Um, we are moving our offices out to Dublin, Ohio, out of Columbus, as you heard. I'm not very happy with the city right now, so that is happening. Uh, but just want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas. Um, it's just a great time. Spend it with your family. Enjoy each other. Uh, and as always, be safe and carry on. All right. I mean, until next time, this is the Munitions Podcast signing off.